What's good? What's good? What's good, fam? Today, I am going to be talking to Marcus Struther. Marcus Struther is actually the inaugural, the very first Mentor California CEO. So we actually have Mentor National Affiliates, and we have them all over the country. Mentor California is groundbreaking in that, you know, we are really building something powerful here in California and um, doing the work that I think California has always known to do. So talking to this brother today was really, really amazing, really, really exciting. Marcus Struther has been an educator. He's been in administration. He's done nonprofit work. He's done activism and grassroots organizing. He has done everything. So, you know, talking to him about the direction of youth work, talking to him about the plans that Mentor California has, what he's going to be doing with Mentor California is pretty awesome. I want you to listen for, again, specifically what he plans to do in California around building coalitions, coalitions that are going to support young people. Also, he talks a little bit about health and wellness. He's really into health and healing strategies that he's taken away from the campaign for black male achievement. He talks about how he's going to utilize that with adults, uh, adults who serve young people and young people to really help us begin to heal from a lot of the things that are happening. One of the key highlights from the episode is him talking about how we center youth, how we center youth voices and how that work is going to be demonstrated here in California. Super excited to talk to Marcus, super excited that you guys are going to hear his voice. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. This is Dr. Tori Wieson-Certain, and you are listening to Reimagining Youth Work. What's good, fam? Welcome back to another episode of Reimagining Youth Work. Today, I am talking to Marcus Struther. He is a father, husband, educator, and a youth community advocate, a 22-year veteran in the education field, having spent 17 years in Illinois before relocating to Sacramento, California, a little over five years ago now. Marcus spent eight years as a classroom teacher and nine years as a high school administrator, and he is currently the inaugural chief executive officer of the newly formed Mentor California. What's good, Marcus? Ooh, what's happening? I what's know. happening? How you doing? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm amazing. I'm I amazing. I see you got that Mentor California gear on, though. Yeah, yeah I do. Let's, Let's highlight yeah, that. I'm, I'm going to get that in there. See, I see all that. But what, what I don't see is my package, though. On That's what I don't see. Well, that's because you're sitting here right now. It's at the door. It's at the door with the little, the little swoosh, blue swoosh and the arrow. I'm ready right to there. rock it. I'm ready to rock it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being willing to do this interview. Of course. I know I have my typical questions, but I actually just kind of want to get straight to the Mentor California business, if that's cool. Yeah, let's do it. What we doing? What's going on? Like, uh, <laughs> I want to know all the big plans for Mentor California. What? How are we about to just take everything over? <laughs> just take it over, right? All the big plans. All the big plans. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's exciting because... One, we have like an amazing dope team in terms of like advisory board and program council folks throughout the state trying to figure out exactly what this landscape looks like. And, you know, there's been some great work that Mentor National has done with the feasibility study to really help us be able to see what folks are looking for in terms of recruitment. You know, how do we get some sustainability around here with funding? Uh, also looking at advocacy. And I think what's what's huge around, you know, this advocacy work and policy work that needs to go into mentoring is you know, COVID-19 showed up, you know, but then also uh, there's a real shift in folks understanding the oppression of black folks and our young people and the necessary need of connection. As, you know, research says, like five caring adults for one youth, you know, how do we make that happen? So. You know, Mentor California, we're going we're gonna to take our time, you know, and make sure that we're smart and really understanding what folks need because this state is so large. Uh, and there's folks in L.A. who are already doing amazing work, 
like Youth Mentoring Next Action Network, Appreciate who don't you. need a mentor in California at all. Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, all the way up to, you know, the Eureka and Humboldt, you know, Big Brother, Big Sister and, and Florence Parks and works that she's doing. And, you know, how do we support everybody across the board? Um, but also thinking about our Central Valley folks and thinking about, you know, Mayor Tubbs and Stockton and uh, our folks, United Way, got Lindsay Callahan, who's a part of the board, yep. thinking about what she's doing down there. I don't know if you got a chance. She has a dope statement that she came out with about everything that's going on oh, no, uh, around George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and just black folks in general. But, you know, you know, so just thinking about how we're going to make that work, but really being able to dive into uh, what does it look like for recruitment? What does it look like to be able to provide training? What does it look like for advocacy and policy? Uh, and then really just being able to brand ourselves in a way where we can connect folks with the right folks so that our young people get what they need. Yeah. We're excited. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited too. And I'm happy to have you. That man, I'm always happy to talk to you. <laughs> we can ready to do this work. Yes. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> Yes, we are. And I don't, I don't even know if people understand like uh, how special it is when folks who like this is both of us have been classroom teachers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and love education and love what that space brings. But also understand, you know, to Sister Patina's point of what it looks like to do abolitionist work yeah. and really step away and uh, look at how we do things differently mm-hmm. um, and, and off, you know, getting away from the idea of reform, but saying, no, nah, we about to build something brand new. Right. Uh, so to have folks like you, uh, folks like Justin from the 49ers, mm-hmm. folks like uh, Orlando from LinkedIn, Orlando yeah. White, you know, having folks on the team that know what it's going to take to really dive deep into this and, and transform uh, as opposed to reform what yeah. mentoring looks like in the state of California. So we're, we're excited. I'm excited. Yes. You're excited. Yes, I am amped. So let's, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about a little bit about just a brief history. How did you get to this work? Um, give us some of your background and directly link that to how you ended up doing the work that you're doing now. Yeah. Great question. You know, come from Kankakee, Illinois, uh, I'll say it again. Kankakee. I just want to make sure everybody know. Okay. Just a, just a kid from Kankakee is something that you'll hear folks say often. Uh, we're just outside of Chicago. My wife is from Chicago. Um, but, you know, born and raised with my, my mother and father were together for a while. At about eight, nine years old is where they started, you know, to drift apart. Uh, and then my life kind of took a little bit of a different turn uh, in terms of, one, understanding where my mother was and, and, and being in her true self uh, and being able to live the way that she wanted to live. And, and um, ex- I wouldn't even say accepting that life, uh, but, but um, growing to a place where uh, I knew that I now had two moms who were going to be a part of, of loving me and raising me and, and making me who I am today, mm-hmm. um, while also still having my father uh, who's an amazing black man doing, you know, amazing things. I like to tell folks he's he's a black scientist. Uh, it never went to college, but runs a wastewater plant mm. and is like absolutely amazing at that work. So uh, it's impressive for me to see what he's able to do, um, not necessarily being, you know, uh, higher ed taught what he's doing, but right. self-taught. So it's it's amazing. You know, but what also comes with divorce is uh, trying to figure out what does that mean? You know, your family structure is gone. Uh, And particularly in black and brown communities when, you know, we're coming up in already oppressed situations Mm -hmm. and then we lose what feels like some type of structure. I started having to find like what was going to make sense for me. How was I going to be able to move and be safe and um, make life what I wanted it to be? Mm -hmm. Uh, So at 13 years old, you know, I started singing with a singing group uh, and those were probably my first four mentors because they okay. were all old, older than me. I was 13. The oldest member was 19. And uh, yeah, they all four of them guys, you know, took me under their wing and, you know, helped me as much as possible to understand what it meant to move through being a teenager. And, you know, a few of them have gone through their own 
family divorces or or maybe not having their father around. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, that for me was special because that ended up becoming home place uh, mm-hmm. for me uh, for about six years. And uh, in that time, ended up meeting another mentor uh, who ended up getting me to University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, the Golden Lions. HBCU. That's right. Uh, I am a graduate. That's right. I want to say that out loud. Um, and that was, you know, again, probably another one, the mentor who helped me, James Hudson, who helped me get to that space. Um, but then two, getting to in HBCU and understanding uh, who I was as, as a black human mm-hmm. first, um, but then also a black man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a long time, you know, growing up as a, a mixed race child, you know, Sometimes you're not white enough for the white family and black enough for the black family. And you're trying to figure out, like, who am I? Um, my auntie will tell you, um, bless her heart, it's her birthday today. Uh, my Aunt Lauren, happy birthday. Uh, she will tell you, she always talks about me making up my own ethnicity. I started calling myself Afrasian because like, I, was, I was mad at school. You know, you be at school and they be like, you got to mark black. Like, that's mm-hmm. who you are. And I'm like but my mama white, you know, so I'm like Mm -hmm. trying to figure that out. But then learning that, you know, society was pushing me into what they felt um, was comfortable for them Mm -hmm. um, and who I needed to be. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, it it ended up not being a bad thing that 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 occurred because I am black. Uh, I love being black, you know, and as some folks would say, I tell people all the time, don't call me a person of color. I'm black. Mm-hmm. I'm blacky black all day long. <laughs> right. Yes. Love my mama, but I'm black. And I get that. And I see that. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. So um, getting to my HBCU, Tim Flowers was a gentleman who he was a senior. I was a freshman, took me under his wing. And I just really started understanding the importance of like, how do I get with folks who already know how to do this? He was mm-hmm. SGA president. It was something I was aspiring to do, um, which eventually in my senior year ended up becoming president. Like like how hey. I was getting myself into those spaces um, and the importance of having people in my life like that. So when I got into education, before I even knew that it was mentoring, I was mentoring, you know, just working with young people. Yeah. And folks would say stuff to me like, oh, are you mentoring that kid? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, we I guess I'm working with that that young person. Yeah. And, and you and I have had this discussion. It's hard for me to say I'm mentoring someone until that young person says that they want to be mentored by the, the young person gets to choose their mentor. Absolutely. Right. Like I don't get to go in and, you know, I have this weird, I have this weird tug and pull with matching. Right. Like mm-hmm. I get it. But I also don't want to, um, which we often do as adults, discount uh, the leadership and the intelligence of young people. They know who they want to follow. They know who they want to learn from, right? And as much as we may want to um, decide that for them, let them tell you what they need. They, They know what they need. They know what they need. So, you know, was doing that and eventually just started my own mentoring program underneath one of my still mentors, uh, Dr. Tyrone Bledsoe, who runs Student African-American Brotherhood uh, out of Ohio until just a week ago, where he is now um, moving uh, the headquarters to Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, which is which is interesting if you know Springfield, Missouri, but we won't get into that. But I think there's. That's the intention of Dr. Bledsoe getting into that space. Got you. Um, but, you know, him asking me to really help define what the high school mentoring program could look like because Saab was very much college level. Uh, so we started brother to brother. Um, and of course, when I started that for my young men, uh, my young ladies immediately attacked me. It was like, Struther, we need that too. You don't get to just do that for the guys. I was like, you are right. Yep. Holding you accountable. And my bad. <laughs> right? So started Sister Circle and have had those programs now, shoot, almost 16 years um, that they've been, you know, floating around doing that. And, um, you know, so then just got into a natural flow of constantly being a mentor. And I think you and I 
both share some of the, we knew public education couldn't continue to hold what we were trying to do. Yep. And we needed to find space where we can still be involved in education, but we can come in in a way where, again, back to Sister Patina, could be abolitionists in this work and make sure that we're getting our young people what they need. Absolutely. So, I mean, how did you, let's talk a little bit about your work in schools. I mean, you've done a range of work, not just as a teacher, but also as an administrator. And in the sort of spirit of Dr. Love, as you've been saying, you know, what were your experiences trying to work in schools and do radical work? Was it difficult? Yeah, (laughs) very difficult, very difficult. You know, at one point I had a bunch of teachers, I'll never forget this, they ran to the principal and said, I'm a huge fan of Superman. So, you know, I would have like little Superman stuff in my classroom and wear my Superman T-shirt under my, my suit coat and uh, I had teachers one day, I'll never forget, went to a principal and said, uh, he really does think he's Superman. Like, he can't get, he can't save all the kids. And I'm like, well, I've never been one to say I'm trying to save the kids, right. but we, we could definitely, we could definitely make a difference right. for all the babies that we come in contact with, you know? And um, so I've always been, I've always been the wrong teacher in the right space. Got it. If that makes sense. <laughs> I got it. Because, yeah. you know, you get into places, especially in that education space, you know, where um, Karen runs the classroom and mm-hmm. Karen been lying for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's catching up now. Right. It's starting to come out. But, you know, 20 years ago, I was telling young people, Christopher Columbus was a rapist. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't that stuff y'all been listening to or learning is not real. Mm-hmm. You know, and that would be how I would get their attention sometimes. Like they come into the classroom. First thing on the board, Christopher Columbus was a rapist. They're like, um, Mr. Struther, who wrote that on the board? I did. Let's talk about it. Right. <laughs> yep. So, you know, and I was always that teacher. They, they unfortunately asked me to teach math one year, uh, just for one period, which man, if I could find all those kids that were in that math class, I need to apologize because, <laughs> I want a math teacher, but again, in education, that's what we do, right? Yeah. We, we, we just got to push people where we can make them fit, even though we know we messing up kids. Cause I don't know math like that. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there were times we would be in the classroom and they're like, struggle. Why are we learning this? I'm like, I don't even know. Cause you're not ever going to use this. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. And they're like, see, I knew they was telling us that we were going to use this and we didn't need to, but it, it Someone said to me, I had brought up the Karen in the classroom mm-hmm. because, you know, white women make make up over 70, 80 percent of the classroom teachers. Absolutely. And a woman said to me, she said, well, you know, there's been some some gender bias there because women have been pushed into being teachers. You know, that's not necessarily what we wanted to do. And I said, I'll give you that, yeah. especially, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. I'll give you that. But you all had the choice to tell the truth. Mm. And you chose to tell the lie. Right. And now we're working through that. So um, it's been difficult. It's (laughs) been difficult, you know, and trying to, you know, as a black man in education, Mm -hmm. especially 20 plus years ago, we quickly get put into the position of being the disciplinary. Mm -hmm. Right. So the disciplinarian all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we can't get this little black kid, Marcus. Come talk to him. Like, what? What are we doing? Like, no. What did, let me talk to the teacher. I don't need to talk to the young person. Let me talk to the teacher because I'm sure that's where the work needs to happen. Right. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's always been difficult, but it's always been a beautiful thing because the young people always made it worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, outside of that, and I think I've told you the story of my young people uh, striking for me. Have I told you that story? I don't before? think you have. Tell me. Oh my goodness. All <laughs> right. So let me tell you. Uh, so my, I was a Dean of students mm-hmm. and the principal that we had at the time, uh, was a black woman. Uh, and she had, it was her first year. Mm-hmm. I'd been there two years. Uh, and she came in and you know, that, that term we were deciding to go another way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but don't really have any explanations. 
So I come back from taking young people to a leadership conference from Kankakee, Illinois, to Stony Brook University in New York, right? Come back on that Monday, and some of the young people come up to me, they're upset, and they're like, Strother, why didn't you tell us? And I'm like, well, I didn't tell you what? Hey, why you didn't tell us that you were getting fired? Mm. And I was Kids like, told you. no, I didn't know, Tori. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. The young people knew before I knew. That's crazy. And I think some of that was adults telling young people because they wanted to hurt the young people because they knew how they felt about them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that same Monday morning, <clears throat> excuse me, with by lunchtime, they had a petition. There's about 1,100 kids in our school. Mm-hmm. They had a petition by lunchtime of over 500 signatures that they did not want me to lose my job. Wow. Principal calls me in and says, um, what's going on? And I said, well, you tell me because the kids think I'm going to be fired. She hands me my evaluation, Tori. Now, mind you, my evaluation literally says excellent but we're gonna go another way Mm. and i am letting you go so can you sign that no hold on you know what i'm gonna walk out this office for a moment because i was getting upset i could feel that Mm -hmm. so i just kind of let the day go went home and i'm getting phone calls tori hey man you better get ready these kids not playing and I'm like, what? Kid, they're not playing. I'm getting phone call after phone call. Finally, my principal at the time calls and says, Marcus, we need everybody at the high school at six o'clock in the morning. We got to prepare for whatever is going to happen tomorrow. Do you know what's going to happen? And I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Well, just make sure you're there. So I get there. Every principal in our district, we uh, I, don't let me lie. We have maybe like 22 schools in the district. Okay. Every principal, every administrator is in our building. Oh, wow. And there was only one administrator that would speak to me. Greg Merrill, may he rest in peace. Another mentor of mine. He passed away uh, just recently, about a year or so ago. A beautiful man and white man. Right. It's the only man that would talk to me. And he's like, do you know what's going on? And we're talking. I'm like, I have no clue what's supposed to happen. So the kids start showing up to school that morning Mm -hmm. and I'm in my super supervision spot standing, you know, while the kids are walking and while the kids are walking by me, Troy, they said, don't worry, brother, we got you. Right. So this is, this is me. And you know, when you start teaching young people about really what young people can do and the control and the power that they have, Mm -hmm. which is work that, I had been doing right. like letting them know like your voice is powerful. Mm-hmm. I would tell the kids all the time. If y'all want to take over this school at any given moment, it's yours. Yep. And so they're walking by me to it. They're like, we got you. Don't worry, Strother. We doing this for you. You good, Strother. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So, you know, we have that one minute bell at high school mm-hmm. to let the kids know, Hey, you got one minute. Typically, when that one-minute bell would ring, 97% of the kids would go to class, right? right? You always got your stragglers, but 97% of the kids go to class. Mm-hmm. Tori, this one-minute bell rings. Them kids not going to class. And I'm like, okay, what is about to happen? The bell rings for them to be in class, and over 700-plus kids sit down in the hallway and refuse to go to class until I keep my job. Wow. We ended up finally getting them to the auditorium so that the principal could talk to them and try to hear what they wanted. And they told me it's simple. We want Mr. Struther. And I'll never forget. I'm I'm feeling like I'm about to cry. There's one young lady when they asked her, I'll never forget this. They said, tell us what you need. We need Mr. Struther. Struther, we love you. And the kids just from there went crazy. They was like, yep, that's it. Like either y'all do that. Yeah. Or we ain't going to class. Tori, they didn't go to class for two weeks. For two weeks? Two weeks. They sat out. They did marches. They wouldn't come to school. Wow. They were having, they ended up in two weeks having five emergency board meetings. And these young people were like, listen, it's it's real simple. You keep Mr. Strother and we good. Um, 
thankfully my appendix burst about three days into that, <laughs> which allowed me to remove myself because I had to have surgery and of course be at home. Um, but of course it was just, get, it was getting stressful and, you know, folks were calling, news stations were calling. I never did one interview, never did any write up about it because it, it, it wasn't about me. It was about them young people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even care if I kept my job at that point. I just wanted people to see what the young people would do. Y'all see what they do. Yeah. At the end of the day, I ended up keeping my job, was there for another seven years. Oh, wow. And the principal was not. And uh, I love those young people. And one of, the, one of them in particular still works with me today who actually was one of the leaders. There were four, three young men and wow. uh, two, actually five, two young lady who kind of spearheaded that whole thing. They got a church to give up a million dollar insurance for them to do a march. I mean, them young people, wow. hey, when I tell you them young people are the truth, they the truth. And they will yeah. tell me to this day, they said, we blessed you and cursed you all at the same time because <laughs> What also occurred from that, Tori, is there were a lot of adults who never got over the fact that that occurred Mm -hmm. and that I affected ADA and Mm -hmm. that, you know, in their mind, you made those young people go do that. And I kept I would always say to them, if you think I can make any young person do something, you don't know young people. Right. So that is that is. uh yeah. That is that is one of my that's probably the story that you will hear me talk about in a lot of opportunities. But yeah. man, those young people in Kentucky, they know they know they got my heart. I love them jokers. That's what's up. But, you know, like the story that you just told really illustrates the point that we're talking about a lot right now with everything that's happening as a result of the George Floyd murder, Breonna Taylor, Nina Pop, so on, so forth. Um that young people are the ones organizing. Young people are the ones on the front lines. Young people are the ones in the streets, right? And right. they're saving all of us. <laughs> yep. They are doing the heavy lifting and literally saving all of us because they're the ones who are willing to move from talk to action. Right. Yeah. Right. And and now, you know, and you've seen the letter that I wrote to America's Black mm-hmm. Youth. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was also to adults to say the young people that did their part. Now, what y'all going to because some of them young people can't vote just because they're not of age yet. Right. Some of them young people just aren't in the space to go make policy or fight for policy. So now what are we going to do? Because young people doing their part. Yeah. they And then some. Yeah. They are definitely pushing up for sure. So, I mean, I mm-hmm. guess, this, so this also just brings us back to, to the work of, of Mentor California. I mean, I feel like we are entering this space where more than ever youth development organizations not only have to figure out where they stand, like, yeah, we, you know, at this point, a solidarity statement, a solidarity statement is almost like basic, right? Like you got to write a solidarity statement, but then it's like, what else are we going to do? to ensure that these young people are resourced and supported um, so that they can, can keep doing this work. Cause I heard like young people on the town hall, you know, say like, we're going to do it with or without you. So y'all come in or not. <laughs> what the one young, one young lady says, she said, either y'all get in or get left. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it's real. It's real. And you know, it's what else are we going to do? we're not going to just start stop with police mm-hmm. right so as we're thinking about the education space like we got to get rid of a bunch of racist teachers too mm-hmm. right like that's one thing we got to talk about like what does that space look like right. you know the place that's supposed to be home place for a lot of young people like right. how do we address that and how do we really change that and and to be um pushing the, you know pushing the needle not a little bit, but, you know, to the point where we scratching the record. Right. So do, do you think youth development organizations are ready for this though? Like, do you think that they're ready to support young people as they make change? Because I think it's one thing for us, like a lot of our rhetoric is around youth development. Oh, we're going to support youth and we're going to be, you know, a positive relationship for, for young people. But I think that stops when young people actually start doing the things that you described. Like, I'm not going to class until my demands are met. 
So do you, do you think that youth development organizations are really ready for this level of work? Yours is. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, sure. There's some, Yeah. there's some, but I think at the level that we're going to need it, no. And I think that's where Mentor California can come in. Um, that's where I think folks like uh, yourself uh, can come in. That's where folks like Chris Chapman and what he's trying to do in Oakland can come in because, you know, it, Chris talks about like what does the ecology of your, um, you know, the ecological system, as, as Chris will, will break it down, look like uh, for young black and brown, you know, specifically young black students. Right. And, and uh, I think there's a, a good number of folks, Akia Gross with, with woke kindergarten, like, oh, yes. there's folks ready, right. There's folks ready. Um, but what's, what's tough is that still it, there's such a small number of us mm-hmm. that, that is, is going to be, it's going to be hard. And, but what my challenge has been to folks is I know you're tired, mm-hmm. but I need you to still get up. Mm-hmm. Right. I John Lewis did not want to continue to get hit in the head, mm. right? But John Lewis kept getting hit in the head because it's just, we are we are in the space of, are we really going to do the work that needs to be done or are we going to be lip service? Right. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the young people. Like, yeah, I want them to do until they do, you know, and then you like, oh. Um, so yeah, I think there's 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 a lot of work that's yeah. going to need to be done with that. Um, but I, but what I will also say is it's cool. I mean, if that's not your lane, mm. I, okay, but get out the way. Like, don't stay in the way, Right. get out the way. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we can all take a little bit more on our shoulders or we can find a few other folks that'll take some stuff on their shoulders. Right. But I think what's dope is you, you're also starting to see, and there's still a, a level of work that needs to come with it, but you're also starting to see some celebrity folks who are really trying to say, nah, I'm putting this on my back. Like, no, like, we about to do something different. Right. You know, whether it's Kyrie saying basketball is a distraction right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Stop trying to get people. Cause if you look at timelines, it's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. Right. Selfies starting to show back up. Vacation starting to show back up, and I think what Kyrie trying to say is, "Hey, don't nobody need to play basketball right now. We trying to, we trying to make the world better. Right? Like we we can get back to basketball later. Yeah. So ho- hopefully you have folks who have a little bit more power. I would right. say, um, who are willing to get dirty with the word. You know, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Because it, it's time. It's definitely time. So then my next question is about how, how are, what strategies, like how are people going to do that? Um, you're going to be in a position as lead of, of Mentor California to work um, with these folks and mentoring organizations and youth development spaces outside of schools, inside of schools, et cetera. Um, how should they get, how, how should they get it together? How should they be working to make their, their, their youth serving work more critical? Yeah. One, Get young people involved. You know, don't show up to any space without young people with you. If you really about that work, like wherever you're going, like find if it's one or two or if it's ten and twenty leaders, that you bring them with you. Like, come on, you gotta you gotta get involved. Yeah. I think another piece though is when we think about how do we how do we encourage white privilege to become white leverage. Mm-hmm. I think we also need to think about adult privilege mm-hmm. and how we use our adult leverage to get young people in the space. Mm-hmm. Like, because I can get there and yeah, you'll want to listen to me at the table because right. I'm the president and CEO of Mentor California. Right. But guess what? I'm not the one talking. My girl from London, right? I'm yeah. bringing her. She's going <laughs> to say work. She's going to say what you need to hear. Right. So I think though, some other strategies, and we've talked about this, you know, this, this year, I want to really get across the state and, and hear from mentor groups, but a, a huge part of, like, I'm going to come and listen to you all, but don't come to tell me what you need and how you want to move without right. bringing young people with you right? so that we can really hear what they need. But then I think there also comes, like, what kind of training and how do we bring in folks who know how to do this work, mm-hmm. right? Thinking about the Carmen Perez's of the world and the gathering of justice and Tamika Mallory, yep. you know, thinking about what, you know, Dr. Love is doing with abolitionist teaching and, yep. and thinking about Akia and, and 
woke kindergarten. Like, how do we really reach out to folks and say, we need y'all to come and train folks and teach folks how to move the right way um, is going to be key. And also really, and, and I'm okay with this in, in um, helping folks understand that everybody has a role and how do we get to a place where we start to capitalize on the role that you hold right. so that we can get to the championship, right? Yeah. I, I come from an era where Mike was the man, but we all know that without Scotty, without Dennis, <laughs> right. without Steve, without John, without Hort, like we don't get six championships, right? You know, and I think what folks need to understand is there, there's the there's the Tories who knows what it means to have young people in the space doing this work, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's the Dr. Loves who understands how to talk to teachers, help teachers understand how they move in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is, there's the, the celebrity folks, you know, if they, they want to use their power to come into the space, this mm-hmm. is your lane. And then there's the Kariga Bailey's in Oakland who, you know, are going to get, they're going to get on the street. They're going to get mm-hmm. dirty. They're going to be in it. And mm-hmm. they're going to figure out, you know, what do we need here on the street? And then there's the me who's the president and CEO. I'll keep air quoting that who could say, <laughs> okay, Kariga, I hear what you need. I know I can call X, Y, and Z from LinkedIn or from the 49ers or from X, Y, and Z and get that so that we can move in the right way. So, you know, there also comes strategy around understanding your role, understanding your lane, you know, to a Diane Nash and John Lewis, you know, SNCC type, like this is the way we got to move. And everybody got to understand their space and, and move in that space. Yeah. So let's let's shift gears just a little bit. I know that you're a okay. big um, a big wellness guy. Yes, so I, I want to talk a little bit about that wellness. Are you going to be bringing <laughs> health and wellness to Mentor California? Are we going to be dealing with um, meditations? Are we going to be doing engaging in that work? Are we going to be dealing with racial trauma? Um, talk to me about the wellness lens that you bring to the table and how that's going to be leveraged. I appreciate that. So yes, yes, and yes, and yes, yes. Right? Like we have to. Um, Campaign for Black Male Achievement, I will, I have to shout them out. And Sean Dove and Dr. Phyllis Hubbard uh, really got us to a place um, about four years ago now, I'll say, with uh, health and healing strategies. Uh, And I was able to really do that with my youth development staff at Sex City Unified. But what I what I quickly um, recognized was that, you know, it wasn't just about my staff. It really is about um, adults who work with young people, period. Like, how do we get them to a good space? Uh, and I knew that even being, you know, in the principal space for nine years, like, ain't nothing wrong with my babies. It's my teachers. But they're the ones that I need to make sure are okay. Right. So um, health and healing strategies just made sense for me when CBMA brought it up. And but I think what's important for that is we have to also be in a space where we encourage, but also guide folks to a space where they can take that same type of wellness work to the young people Mm -hmm. to help them understand what meditation does, what meditation looks like um, for adults and youth. People immediately begin meditation means like I got to make my mind blank and there should be nothing there. (laughs) And then folks are like, Strother, I can't do that. Like it always comes. I'm like, that's not what meditation is. Mm -hmm. Like, so let's talk through that. Let's talk about, you know, racial trauma. Let's talk about uh, generational trauma Mm -hmm. and what all of that looks like. And and being able to be transparent um, when you're in spaces in terms of like this, this is where I am and this is what I need. You know, even as a teacher, that was one of the first things I established when I would walk into a, the classroom or, or the young people walk in my classroom and we get ready to start a class. There'd be days I'd tell them, not today, y'all. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not feeling it. I, me and my wife, you know, we working on some stuff, trying to get a new house, whatever may be coming up. Right. Plus, you know, I, I would let them know out the gate. Like I'm, we're going to get through this lesson or is I knew I had leaders in the classroom. That was something I always established, like, right. come on and, and do X, Y, and Z today. Cause right. this is where I am. Or 
I need y'all to wrap around me as young people because I'm in a space. Yeah. So that vulnerability um, that comes with that. So yeah, I think it's going to be really important. Um, thinking about Richard Taylor, you know, mm-hmm. our yeah. brother who is doing amazing work. How do we bring him in, you know, to be able to work with mentor programs um, throughout the state, but also thinking about, we got tons of, we got a hell of folks here in California uh, as well. So I want to recognize that, you know, and how do we uh, get people to a place where, we understand the importance of taking retreats. We understand the importance of vacations. We understand the importance of being able to talk through and heal, um, having those circles, having people that we can check in um, with. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. Have you heard about the Not Okay app? No. So it's some young people, uh, young young black folks, okay, right? Okay. Created this app and uh, be good. Beyonce's organization has been pushing it out and uh ivy mcgregor who uh, she is the director of global philanthropy for beyonce hopefully i'm saying her title correctly but uh the not okay up it's real simple um idea but i love it and it's it's you put in like your emergency contacts so tori has five emergency contacts and you literally pull up this app and it's a big red button and you just hit that button and all your emergency contacts get a text that say i'm not okay can you call me oh wow Right. I love that. Right. And then what's great about it is, let's say you reach out, you get in contact with whomever, you know, needed you and you get them to a better space and they feel good. They can hit that same button again and it'll send a text to all those folks to say, I'm good. I appreciate you. I love you. You can make the message say whatever it whatever it needs to say um, to let people know that you're okay. So, you know, thinking about like. How do we incorporate that in the mentor programs and, and, you know, being able to have those check-in moments. But I think the other thing that I really hope to bring to um, this dynamic of the work that we're going to be doing is just the importance of loving our young people for real. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I have people who will ask me often, you know, how do you do the work? And I'm air quoting for those who can't see the video. (laughs) as good as you do this work. Mm -hmm. And I would always say to them, and I will still say to them, I just love young people. Mm -hmm. Love guides me. I don't don't know what else to say. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that love is enough. There's actual tangible resources that our young people need. So yeah, you got to get to that. But before you can get to feeling like you want to go the extra mile to get them that tangible resource, you got to love them enough to feel like, yeah, I'm going to do that work. I'm going to go deep or, um, you know, I had a young lady, one, one of my daughters, uh, that, uh, I talk about often and, you know, bless her heart, man. She went through one of, one of the most traumatic experiences I believe anybody could go through her, her, her mother, uh, got sick and, you know, without going into too much detail, ended up passing away. Mm-hmm. Uh, her brother and sister, her brother was a Marine came home, sister came home and we're all there for the funeral. I actually sang at the funeral. Uh, and three days later, her brother got in a car accident and died in a car accident. Wow. Right. And I, I'll never forget them calling me because she was on the hospital floor and wouldn't get up. Like she was just mm. stuck. And they're like, Marcus, you got to come get her. Like she, she will not move. And my wife and I said, not only are we going to get you, but you're going to come move in with us. And she was like, I'm dropping out of college. She was a freshman in college. She's like, I'm dropping out. I can't do it. Yada, yada, yada. Like, mm-hmm. no, you're not. We're going to get through this. Got you. Right? We're going to, we got you. Like, I know. I know it hurts. And you can lay on that couch for the next two weeks and go through whatever you got to go through. But then we're going to get up. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure this out. And she has grad- since graduated college and doing amazing things. But you got to be, you got to be willing as an adult to say, I'm going to open up my house to young people, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to go that extra mile for young people that you need. I got you. Yeah. So lo- love is, is, is huge for me. Yeah. So you're going to hear that often. Um, I'm not even going to say sorry about it either. Cause you're going to hear that often. Good. Cause it's real. <laughs> Good. But yeah, wellness is real. Actually tomorrow I host uh, every man Sacramento here. And uh, tomorrow we're doing a, a virtual wellness space with my guys because, you know, my men, we're emotionally illiterate. And uh, 
we really only know one emotion and that's anger. And so we're, we're working through that. So it's, it's been a blessing, but you know, I, I do believe there's, there's beginning the beginning of a shift for us as men. Um, but we still got a lot, we got a lot of work to do, you know, a lot of work to do. Yeah. I hear you. So how, how are you going to be reimagining youth work in your work? Mm. Um, in your future with Mentor California and just generally how, how are you going to be contributing to reimagining the, the reimagining of youth work? The reimagining, how am I going to reimagine youth work? You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, and I started with love, so I don't want to go back into that, but really thinking about uh, how we allow young people's leadership to guide what we do, mm. like really being able to allow young people's leadership to guide what we do. Mm-hmm. I, I think in this yesterday, the young lady has me so messed up because when she started talking about reverse mentoring, yes, right. It, it, it made me think about, I think that's a, a part of mentoring that doesn't get enough discussion, doesn't get enough um, gold medals, you know, for mm-hmm. what it can do mm-hmm. and what it does do. I think there are tons of adults who can sit back and say, man, them, them young people teach me something every day. But we, we sometimes we say it and don't really give it what it really deserves in terms of how it really has shifted who you are as a person or the work that you do. Mm-hmm. So when I think about reimagining one, I think about that reverse mentoring role. Like how do we let young people really guide how we do things. Um, I would say the second piece, though, uh, from a um, sustainability piece, mm-hmm. how do we really think about uh, the importance of collaboration across the state of California? Uh, too often we have folks trying to be the big dogs and not understanding that it's important to be strategic, please. Youth Mentoring Action Network can get all the babies. I would love for you to be able to get all the babies, but you can't. Mm-hmm. And you know why you can't? Because Tori's one person. Yep. Gail's one person. Mm-hmm. And right now you don't have you don't have the funding to have three hundred other folks to be able to create three hundred other Tories or other extra dope folks right. to go do this. So how do we work in a collaborative spirit mm-hmm. um, across the state to be able to say, like, man, I know what you need. I can't do that but I know who can do it for you. Let's make this work this, you know, this way. So I think really trying to um, get folks to understand that if we want to see the youth in California thrive, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that's an important word, you know, we, for too long as black folks have learned how to survive. Yeah. How do we get young people to a place where they are thriving? It's going to take some real adult collaboration Um and for those who aren't ready to collaborate in a way that helps not only our culture as um, a mentoring community, not only our culture as black and brown folks, mm-hmm. not only our culture um, as youth development folks, um, but if you just aren't ready uh, to be in the space to really create a culture of thriving for youth, particularly in the state of California, I am asking you to get out the way. Yes. Cause we about to do this work. So just get out the way. Yep. No harm, no foul. Nobody's going to be mad. We still love you. Doors still open. You know, if you want to come back, come back, mm-hmm. come back ready to work. But if not, get out the way. Right. Or get left. I hear you. To steal from our young person yesterday. <laughs> I hear I'm you. stealing from her. Let her know. Let her know. I stole that. I'm, I'm giving her credit. I don't know her name, but I'm giving her credit. She I think that. that was Anaya. I think that was Anaya out of Texas. Yes. I believe so. I believe so. So my final, my final question for you is in your freedom dream, what does the future of youth work look like? Hmm. I'm going to steal from Dr. Love. You got me thinking. I see you shaking your head like that brother has some thought. Um, I am. I, I will tell you, we want to do more than survive is my little Bible right now. Yes. Right. Sitting right next to my bed. I'm looking at it right now. 
And, you know, what Dr. Love is talking about, what, what Dr. You know, Farima from Teachers for Social Justice and, you know, her work at the college level um, and, and many other folks who are doing that abolitionist type work, mm-hmm. you know, really thinking about how do we burn down uh, what things have currently been and really build something uh, that is meant to be equitable. Um, And I take that back, not meant to be equitable, but is equitable to a, to a, a point where we don't need the kind of programs that we keep trying to develop because black and brown don't have what they need. Right. Because young people don't have what they need, you know, um, really being able to see a culture of thriving uh, that is centered around love, mm-hmm. uh, centered around home place, mm-hmm. uh, and centered around true collaboration between young people and adults, uh, where we know that the leadership that young people have to offer is just as powerful as the leadership that we have to offer. Yep. And that without young people, the justice we are beginning to see right now does not occur. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. man, let's let's be OK with saying, hey, I'm going to stand beside you or behind you, whatever it is that you need. Move and do what's best for us as a community of people who want to thrive. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Metro California can be a huge part of that. But I think it's going to definitely start with me. And as I always say, you know, any youth developer or educator that is not their own best model is really just a hypocrite with a little bit of dictatorship. Mm. So I hope that I can be that model for many folks um, and can then really build a team of models who are doing this work throughout the state of California from the staff that we will soon one day have Mm -hmm. to the advisory board that we already have in our program council Mm -hmm. um because mentor california we about to we about to take over we about to jay-z this moment i'm just saying (laughs) we ready we ready we ready yes thank you so much for this conversation Y'all, we have been listening to Marcus Struther, who was the first CEO of Mentor California. We talked about a lot of dope things, and I'm going to put some uh, some detailed notes in the, in the show notes so that you guys can reference Mentor California, so that you guys can check out some of Marcus's past work. But in the meantime, I need you to keep doing that good work, fam. Most definitely. You too. <laughs>